Between the Covers, a series designed around who and what can be done and achieved by patients, planning and working in a community of like-minded, successful people. This podcast series is for anyone looking at becoming a successful published author and those looking to understand the mind of a writer and the goals of a publisher. Proudly sponsored by Shoreline Publishing. Welcome and enjoy. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me. My name is Bradley Shaw. And today on Between the Covers, I have author Ibs Vane who's written a wonderful book called Short Stories for the Daring Yachtsman. Now, to give you a snapshot, Eb was born in Copenhagen, Denmark. He has an academic education with universe, from the University of Copenhagen and Gothenburg in Sweden, graduating with PhDs in zoology and marine biology. In 1998, he migrated to Australia to work at Flinders University and study aquatic sciences in Port Lincoln. During his scientific career, he has published extensively in the international scientific journals, popular magazines and elsewhere. And as a yachtsman, he has sailed in many parts of the world and hopefully filled this book with wonderful tales of those adventures. Hello, Ib. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. And welcome to the podcast. So please do tell everybody listening, what is this about with the collection of short stories and how you gathered them? Well, it started with the arrival of the retirement and my wife and I sort of was planning of moving to Victoria because her mother lives there and she was on her last leg. But I had another idea because it was when there was an economic downturn in the United States which made it financially possible and I was looking for a special boat called the Hans Christian. It's 38 foot long, it's a double ender with a boss by and it's an ocean cruising vessel. So I said to my wife, why don't we buy a boat like that, sell out what we have, put our our stuff in the storage? And uh, she said, yes, she saw us our joking. Remind you, she has said very little. She had no idea what she was up against. So I lined up a couple of these boats for prices I could pay, and uh, off we went, and that was on New Year's Day in uh, 2019. And uh, there were several places in the United States, but we ended up in La Paz on the uh, Californian Peninsula. And there was you know, the newest model I could find. And it had belonged to a guy called Peter Sanderson. He was a skipper of Rainbow, Rainbow Warrior. And I knew his family from my work in Sweden because they were really into uh, salmon agriculture, and, which, of course, wow. most So... We ended up with buying that boat, and then we spent a year in uh, uh, preparing it for the trip, and we sailed down the coast of Mexico to Acapulco and up north as well. And um, and it was quite turned out to be a, quite a different thing what you would expect, because what you actually feel or remember from that trip that's the people you meet it's about people it's not about sailing from a to b if you read yachting magazines it's all about sailing from a to b have you read one of them you have read them all so uh, you, you pick up these things and i have always had an an eye or an ear for this for stories i, I love telling stories and uh, and i also like to write them but i have first now in retirement 
had that opportunity because there is quite a jump from scientific writing uh, to literature writing. Eh? I do not consider myself a, a literary writer, but more a storyteller. And, um, and that's what I like to do. And particularly if you can catch people's interest, but well, that can be very hard. But uh, that's how it started. And uh, we joined something. And there, there is uh, uh, several, um, you can, I can't call it regatta or cruises you join. And there's one they call Bayahaha, which goes from um, uh, San Diego uh, to uh, uh, the tip, San, San, San Carlos, the tip of the uh, the your uh, California Peninsula, and from there you can then join something we call the puddle jump, and that is to Tahiti, and that's a different kettle of fish because you can count on 24 days approximately on average uh, of open sea crossing the Pacific to the islands of Marquesas. But it's all this preparation and things which are in between, which is quite entertaining, pardon me, and... Um, and that's how it happened. I got these stories. You you live yourself. The Americans are, are brilliant in organizing things. There there were uh, everything happened over the radio, and they were helpful. And it was uh, so surprisingly this life that uh, that it, it it caught me. And um, so eventually we were ready, and uh, we left because we had to be out of there before the hurricane season started. And you go west until something familiar appears, but it's not that simple. You have to follow across the equator at 130 degrees east. Otherwise, you uh, you are in trouble because you can come into the the uh, Tamotos, which are core, low core islands, and you cannot see them on the radar if the weather is bad. And it's you can count on one thing. That's one thing I learned. Despite enormous amount of planning, I always arrived at night, and I do not know why. But it mm. always happened like that. So it can be dangerous. But as soon as you arrive, you forget about this, and you meet a lot of people again you have met before. And, and then it's just island hopping. Well, sort of there are some two-week trips between islands. But you, mm. you go what you call the coconut milk run. So it's in the trade winds. And um, so just a question about taking the the light rules because I have to uh, consider my passenger, my wife. But she did extraordinary work. I was quite impressed because uh, you can get seasick and there are no hospitals to help you out there. You have yeah. to take care of that straight away and with no fuss. Otherwise, people dehydrate and can get extremely sick. So... Yeah. You won't do this. So that is essentially how it, it pans out. And then, of course, there is a few, a few stories from Scandinavia as well. Uh, yeah. And also a story from um, a bit of a spooky story from, uh, from Cape Town to Fremantle. And that's a, a long trip. It's uh, 30 days at open sea, and there's absolutely wow. no islands or nothing. But surprisingly, the longest trip we did was 24 days, and we didn't see a single boat. Wow. Not a boat. So That's that's daunting to imagine being out in the open sea and alone like that sometimes, feeling feeling that loneliness. Notice how small, we know how small we are when we sort of in the picture of a small, up of a big ocean, I guess. 
It is. <laughs> it affects you, right? Because it's mm. um, it it makes you think about life in a different way, and you have not time to think about the past, which is always uh, troubling for all of us, or eventually yeah. will as you grow older, and you want to leave that behind. On a boat, you have no choice because you have yeah. to prepare yourself for what is ahead of you. You can't see yeah. the back. And uh, it 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 was uh, it was an eye opener. I can tell you that, and that's an what experience. I tried to to express in the stories in that book. It, yeah. It's about humans. It's about people and uh, their fate, not their yeah. it's fate, their fate. So yeah. what happens to them and so forth. It's uh, and it's quite uh, disastrous. Which really, what really got to me was that there were so many. Uh, there were many international people in 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 the past, in particular, um, and um, what really sort of hit me was that there are so many ex-service people uh, who were badly wounded and they were could barely survive on the pensions on offer, and they chose to live on boats, small boats. We were not yeah. talking about expensive yachts at all, wow. and uh, they just survived. And you sort of. Uh, get to know these people, and you think, "Gosh, you are lucky in life being in Australia." Yeah. Jesus me, it's a different. Wow, thing. it is. It is. It's fascinating, and 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 you've collected these these stories around these experiences. And so, you've been sailing all of your life, from even when you were a young person. Or when did you take up the yeah, the yachting? The yachting uh, since since I was a teenager, my, my father at. In the uh, in, on, until 1954 was in the navy, and mm-hmm. uh, and I was in the navy scouts, and it was all about uh, about sailing, and um, yeah. and it went on. But then I had a number of boats, not big boats, sort of 27 mm-hmm. foot, even smaller, uh, in Scandinavia. Because when I worked at this marine laboratory in Sweden for 20 years, uh, it's in an archipelago. There's no tides. Uh, yeah. Only what, what air pressure produces, very little, and this is just fabulous place to protected place to sail. So you sail up and down the coast and all these wow. remote islands, and uh, and that that's how it comes about. Yeah. But I wow. also sailed uh, overseas. I have been sailing in the Pacific Ocean around Seychelles Islands and in the Caribbean and these places. So uh, I I knew what I was up against, but my wife yep. did not. I can tell you that. <laughs> Sounds like a strong one. So this this period of time, you 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 found a boat to buy, and you went out and purchased it. Um, with that, did you when you purchased it and planned your trip? Was it taken from Australia, or did you have to go sail to America first, and then up around those coasts, or did you go no, from? How did you plan that out? Well, it was put on the heart in the past in Mexico by this yep. British guy from the Shetland Islands, eh? mm-hmm. and he had apparently in mind. He met a, a well, that's at least the agent told me. He met a. Uh, a young girl on board a Rainbow Warrior, and he had planned to bring her to to the Pacific. And his plan was to get the boat back to Shetland Island. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, it didn't end <laughs> well. Uh, the lady there, she apparently got a movie contract in the United States, so she turned around and and um, and left him behind. 
And uh, I was told by the agent while well, he pointed at it that there was still a, a mark in the in the tick date where her stiletto has turned around. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I can tell you, he left on the boat a fabulous bottle of whiskey. It was just <laughs> unbelievable. Like he, 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 I, would, I would really appreciate that very much. But uh, <laughs> it, it didn't last long. I can tell you that. But uh, no, I understand. But that's that's how it, it ended. Eh? But I, I had a, a books, uh, oh, sorry, boats uh, lined up in um, in uh, in Florida, which is yeah. sort of old heaven on the east coast. But this was the newest one, so uh, there was no yeah. way around. And uh, I had to prepare quite well. It, it's an enormous amount of work into wow. getting the boat ready. Eh? Wow, yeah. no, it's amazing. And so the stories and the characters, the people you met, as you mentioned, did you write their stories like, you know, when you would sit on those hours alone on the boat, just just writing them in to think about? Did you plan it as a book to tell other stories or was it just a journal entry? How did you approach firstly collecting this information, all these great stories? No, I collected them in my brain. Uh, I didn't write a single word because I wow. still some papers I had to write for my sign. <laughs> <laughs> and um, about blue mussels in southern Australia, and I got that off. Uh, I simply didn't have time uh, to to do this. I did make some mental notes about things, and I also put things into the logbook, of course, but uh, only very small uh, notes. Eh? But uh, I knew that I, I had a, at least a reasonable amount of short stories to turn it into a book when I came back, but it took yeah. the a couple of years before I got started. Good. And what what do you hope what do you hope your readers get out of it when they grab a hold of this book? Do they do you think they have to be yachtsmen, lovers of the ocean, or is it just a book they can read and immerse themselves into the learning and just even no, the people as you met? No, I, I don't think so. The character mm. of the stories are really not. It is primarily mm. about uh, uh, yachting, uh, but uh, about what happened, what people do, and about the choices they make. But it, I came ran into something which was quite extraordinary from my point of view. Uh, there is a little place called Saint Blas, and uh, we were sort of oh, we go in and have a look. There's a lot of these small harbors uh, along the coast of Mexico, and um, I was sort of thinking I have heard this name Saint Blas before, and uh, but I, I, I didn't sort of refer to it. It was difficult to come in because it was all muddied up. And it turned out that it has been once uh, quite an important Spanish harbour. There's a big fort and a church. And it was first when when I heard this, the bells of St. Blas, something, it rang a bell. And just a bit north of St. Blas, there is a, a little hotel, and uh, which is very nice made. And it was the side of a, a movie set. Uh, they were going to film Tennessee Williams' movie, uh, a theatre piece, The Night of the Iguana. And you might, I don't know what well you know uh, Tennessee Williams, but he mm. he um, he was very uh, sort of come up with critical things in society. And, uh, for example, he wrote the book The Rose Tattoo because a tattoo at that time in the early 50s was seen as being uh, degrading. It was not like now or there. God, no, Ockley, this that's why he was sort of playing with the thing that a rose tattoo could be highly erotic, and I'm entitled to to agree with him. 
And I, I walked uh, along Jetty Road in Adelaide when we arrived in Australia, and I, there was a tattooist, and I looked in, and he hadn't had the door open into his clinic, and there was a lady standing with a hat on, bending forward, exposing a little bit of her buttock, and he was working on a tattoo, and I guess it was Wolf Rose, and I didn't have a camera. It was just uh, a <laughs> thing, thing. But then no uh, of yeah. North of St. Blas, there is uh, this uh, hotel, and they played out this movie, and it was Richard Burton who played the main male role, and it's about the relationship between younger women and older men, and that's what he was yeah. challenging was in the 50s, so it was something. Yeah. And so he is a priest, a reverend or something, and had to travel away because of the scandals he had had with younger women, but he still uh, brought with him his uh, his partner and her younger daughter. And then there is a hotel host Maxime, and it was all played by Ava Gardner and uh, so the real high end of Hollywood, the beautiful women, and they had obviously an interest in Richard Burton because he has just arrived in Hollywood, this Shakespearean with this voice and this magnificent actor he was. So you can imagine the tension down there. And, of course, Elizabeth Taylor wouldn't have a bar of it. So she flew down to to St. Blas and appeared on the on the scene uninvited. And I would have <laughs> liked to be a fly on the wall <laughs> because no. you know how it ended. She eventually they married and, and that's the story of it. I think and I think they married didn't they marry didn't they marry eight times or something? Elizabeth oh, I, I, I don't count. <laughs> <laughs> I think they but, I think but, even they lost count. No, but it's just a, a fascinating thing because of a, yeah. there was a, a rhyme uh, or a poetry written about St. Blas by this very famous 19th century poet. And I had sort of heard about this before um the interesting thing is he has never been to St. Blas, but he still wrote a poetry <laughs> uh, about it. And I was oh, sitting goodness. and doing this, and I said to myself, gosh, because the Night of the Iguana referred to young Mexican boys which are trying to uh, get, earn money by showing the tourists that the Iguana can dance. Eh? And, uh, and that was is used in the Night of the Iguana. So I, suddenly mm-hmm. I had this story playing out in front of me because the character in this story, Norm, is real. He is not a fiction. Wow, I can imagine. It's just me which has sort of turned it into a, uh, a story, but uh, it it is not fiction. So is that included in the book? Is that one of your stories or is that an upcoming yes, book of sort stories to follow? Is there it more has, books to come? It has the title, uh, uh, Puerto Escondido, My Love, uh, this oh, word good. and the uh, <laughs> parenthesis underneath the uh, uh, the narrative going. I explain it in the preface where, how this is linked, but good. Uh, good. It's, uh, it, it just this whole thing played out in front of me. I was just sitting in a boat and then mm-hmm. going ashore, <laughs> and this was playing out in front of That's me. That's awesome. I just That's had amazing. To write, I just had to write it down.
Yeah, absolutely. And it's all, it, it, and the book is filled with fantastic short stories and experiences and, and people, as you say, and it's a wonderful collection and you've done an amazing job to put it together and make it so readable and, and engaging to people. Uh, thank you, Ib, for, for joining me today and talking about the book and for everybody listening. Um, short Stories for the Daring Yachtsman by Ib Sabane is available everywhere books are sold. You can order it online and you can also order it through your bookshops or libraries, so support your local businesses. Um, and grab a copy of this great book and enjoy some real, some real authentic adventure stories and, and experiences of, of uh, an experienced yachtsman like you who, uh, who has captured them beautifully in this book. Thank you, Ib, for your time today. You're welcome. I appreciate it. And thank you, everyone, for listening today as well. And continue to support independent authors and, and new books and uh, keep our industry afloat. So we appreciate that. Everybody, until next time, please stay well. And we'll see you again soon. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Between the Covers, produced by Shoreline Publishing.